You're listening to the Christ Church Toronto podcast, a recording of the Sunday sermons from Christ Church Toronto. Christ Church Toronto is a new church in Toronto's East End that seeks to practice the ancient Christian faith today. We would love for you to join us in the future, but until then, please turn your attention to the scripture reading. Our scripture reading today is from Matthew chapter 11, verses 25 to 30. At that time, Jesus declared, I thank you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, that you have hidden these things from the wise and understanding and revealed them to little children. Yes, Father, for such was your gracious will. All things have been handed over to me by my Father, and no one knows the Son except the Father, and no one knows the Father except the Son, and anyone to whom the Son chooses to reveal him. Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. This is the word of the Lord for our church, and it is given for our good. It's a short passage. Would you pray with me? Father, we thank you for your word. It is a lamp unto our feet. Um, It is a sword, two-edged. And Lord, we just ask that you would pierce our hearts. Um, Would you instruct us in ways that we need to be instructed? Rebuke us in ways that we need to be rebuked? Encourage us in ways where we really need encouragement. So Lord, would you speak to us now, your church, as we listen? In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So on dictionary.com, adulting is defined as an informal term to describe behavior that is seen as responsible or grown up. This behavior often involves meeting just the mundane demands of, of independent and professional living, such as paying bills and running errands. And just last week, Anna and I celebrated our one year. Woohoo! We made it. And reflecting on this past year, I realized that I grew a lot, not just in terms of the marital weight gain that one attains, but in terms of also just being an adult, learning how to communicate with her and sharing in the laughters, the frustrations, the tears, just any relational things, right? But with that also comes the need of just being an adult, adulting. It requires you to pay the bills, going grocery shopping, doing the chores around the house, facing one expectation and then the next, having one responsibility and then another, and the list goes on. I remember just hanging out with my friends, studying in the library, applying to to school and jobs, graduating, getting married, and for some of us, progressing in our career all the more, having kids, preparing for retirement, on and on it goes. Life is so busy, is it not? There is a constant chase after the things before us, a goal to be grasped. When we get to the destination that we worked really hard to get to, there is another destination beyond. So many things ahead of us. We labor and we toil and we're left wondering maybe, what's the point of it all? The author of Ecclesiastes shares this experience and writes that it's like chasing after the wind. 
that when we have that goal right at our fingertips, just like the wind, it changes directions and it feels like we've just started again. Life is not only busy, but it's also really tiring. There's heavy burdens upon us, upon our shoulders, and it seems to get heavier and heavier as we grow and mature. And more and more to worry about, more and more to care about in this life. And it just seems to not slow down. Adulting is burdensome. Life is busy and life is hard. And in our passage this morning, Jesus is addressing all those who find themselves in that kind of state. Being tired, weary, burdened, looking for a kind of rest. He addresses the deepest longings of the human experience, true rest for our restless lives. Our hearts are restless to make a certain type of impact, a significance in this life. Our hearts are restless dealing with the hardships and the behaviors that we face. Our hearts are restless maybe of the guilt that we carry from previous sins, recent sins. And Augustine's in, in his book, Confessions, answers that question. And he writes, You have made us for yourself, O Lord, and our hearts are restless until they rest in you. Our hearts are restless, friends, and they'll continue to be until they find rest. And it is Jesus Christ in our passage who invites us to that rest. It is in him who is the giver of that kind of rest, rest that can satisfy the deepest longings of our souls. And in order for us to see that today, I'd like to look at three things. Recognition of our need for rest, the exclusivity of this rest, and the invitation to rest. Recognition, exclusivity, invitation. First, let's look at the recognition for rest. And it's quite interesting how Jesus begins this passage. He thanks the Father that he has hidden these things to the wise and the understanding instead of revealing these things to little children. And if you have been following along in our sermon series for the past few months, we've been looking at Jesus coming to his people, the people of Israel, teaching them and showing them of the type of authority that he has. Teaching them with authority, but also showing them with authority of the various mir miracles that he does. However, instead of these people accepting him and believing in him, they have ultimately rejected him. And some you would even claim that he is a glutton, a drunkard, that he's a friend of tax collectors and sinners. Some would even go as far as saying that Jesus is demon-possessed. These people who should have embraced Jesus with open arms are left rejecting Jesus. And those who reject Jesus, I think Jesus is saying, are the ones that think that they know Jesus better than he knows himself, that they are wise and understanding, that they are intelligent and knowledgeable. And these are the ones that they think they've really figured it out. They believe the Messiah ought to be a certain way, and they're just blinded by their own pride, awaiting for a Messiah of their own imagination, not the true Messiah that saves them from their sins and who stands in front of them as Jesus preaches and teaches and does these miracles. And it seems to be these kinds of people that the Father has really hidden his will to. But only those who really do see their desperate need of the Lord, his will is revealed. Those who hunger and thirst for a kind of Messiah that would dine with tax collectors and sinners, that would come to heal the sick and forgive sins, that is the kind of Messiah 
who, of who Jesus is, and, and, and that is the kind of Messiah that little children are looking for. Jesus thanks the Father that he has revealed his will to little children. And you know, the children that run around in our church with great laughter and occasional cries, what do they do when they need something? Do they try to problem solve, think of a plan of action of some sort, and maybe the older children do this, but for the little ones, they'll go and look for their parent or guardian, right? And then they'll search for them. If they can't find them, that's when we see the waterworks. They cry, they're wailing until their parents are found. And we were all kids once. We were all such as these that dependent on parents, dependent on someone to take care of us. It is these kinds of people whom, the, whom God reveals his will to. It is those who desperately seek the Lord find saving grace. It is the sick who desperately need the Lord find healing. It is the tax collectors and sinners who seek the Lord and are restored to the community of Christ. It is those who bear great guilt also in their lives, knowing the wrongs that they have done, who come humbly to the Lord to find relief and rest. They find rest in the Lord once they recognize their need of it. And the fact of the matter is, we share the attitudes of the wise and the understanding. We often are blinded by our own pride as well, and it comes between God and us. And we see this in our prayer lives, that we come to the Lord seeking help with an agenda in mind, often telling God that we're willing to obey and believe, but you better come through and give me what I want. That I'll go to church, attend Bible studies, just be a nicer person in general, as long as he holds his side of the bargain. We perform so that God can work for us. Or maybe we often find ourselves always needing to be in control, juggling expectations and responsibilities with a smile. But when we have faced the surprising diagnoses, the shocking emails of maybe being laid off or the unforeseen betrayals that happen in our families, true brokenness that comes about, we realize that we're actually not in control. And all we seem to do is just a bunch of damage control. And yet, we're expected to slap on a smile and make no hint of our weariness. And sooner or later, these heavy burdens in this life that we all bear show through the cracks, between the smiles, between the confidence that we are expected to have. And here, Jesus thanks the Father that those who recognize their helplessness, their need of him, are the ones whom the Father has revealed his gracious will to. We all need to recognize our desperate need of him who grants this kind of rest. But we might ask, who, who is this Jesus who is able to grant this kind of rest? And here in verse 27 of our passage, Jesus shows us who he is. Jesus claims that all things have been handed over to him. He has been given authority that no one else has. And over and over again through the gospel, we have seen that Jesus exercises this authority in his teaching, that he also in his miracles of casting out demons, calming the storms, healing the sick, even being able to forgive sins. He's been handing over this authority by the Father, like a king handing over the keys of the kingdom to the rightful heir. And in verse 27, we also see that 
the Son and the Father has a, an exclusive type of relationship. He claims that no one knows the Son except the Father, and no one knows the Father except the Son. And this is not the kind of knowledge where the Son and the Father just knows a bunch of facts about each other, but this is, this is an intimate, mutual kind of knowing that is unique to them and exclusive to them. And it is that relationship that Jesus has, the Son and the Father have, that you are invited to, and he shares with us. For only to whom the Son chooses to reveal the Father can know the Father as well. You cannot know the Father unless you know the Son. That's what Jesus is trying to say. And this is so strikingly similar to when Jesus claimed that I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me in John's Gospel. You know, there's a restaurant downtown, which many people say have really good oysters and, and, and a great vibe. And I've, I've never been, so this is not a recommendation. But my friends have been there, and they told me that it's worth my time. That, that there is good food, great vibes, two things I really like. So I pulled it up on my phone, searched it. The food looked great, but the restaurant looked like a scene from the Barbie movie. Like everything was pink. It's, it's not the kind of vibe that I like. You probably won't see me there in, in, in the middle of the afternoon having a cup of coffee. So I told my friends this. I was like, you know, guys, this is kind of weird. Why do you guys like this pink restaurant? Um, and they're all snickering. And clearly I've missed something and I didn't really understand what they're snickering at. And one of them turned to me and said, well, Daniel, do you know the secret password? Secret password? What do you need a secret password for a restaurant? And feeling a little bit of FOMO, fear of missing out, that night I went online, searched up the restaurant, and found that there in fact was a secret password. If you said this certain word to the waiter or waitress, they'll take you along to the back of the restaurant, to another section of the restaurant, and through a secret door, it would be this massive bar that doesn't just serve oysters, but have plenty of other kinds of food. If it, if it wasn't for my friends who told me that, I would have never have known that existed there. You, it's, it's a kind of place where if you know, you know, right? And if you didn't know, you would have never have found it. The exclusivity of this part of the restaurant was only to those who knew the secret password. The exclusivity to the relationship that the son has with the father was, is only given to us, only given access to us in and through the son, Jesus Christ. And it is this father who is also the one where we can find satisfaction to our deepest longings. Herman Bovink, a theologian, right, in the beginnings of his book, Wonderful Works of God, writes that God and God alone is man's highest good. And similarly, I think the psalmist um, truly gets it in Psalms 73. He writes, whom have I in heaven but you? And there is nothing on earth that I desire besides you. My flesh and my heart may fail, but God is my strength of my heart and my portion forever. It is only in Jesus Christ we are given access to that kind of satisfaction, that kind of relationship with the Father and relationship with the Son. It is only those who really begin to see their deepest longings of the, their hearts, little children who find true rest in that relationship. And Jesus invites us to that rest. And we see this in the next verse. Jesus says, come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I'll give you rest. 
Jesus invites all those who recognize their need for him. And this is an invitation to rest, to find this kind of rest, rest from our great burdens that we experience in our lives. You know, there's two kinds of burdens that the nation of Israel really experienced at the time. And I'm sure there's plenty more, but two big ones come to mind. The Roman occupation, the Roman empire upon them. They needed to pay taxes to them, but also the the religious burden where the Pharisees placed on these individuals, requiring them, demanding them to live a certain way, to live up to a certain standard. And if you don't live up to that type of standard, then you are not a very good, I guess, Jew, or not a very good person. You know, their interpretation of the law was the only standard. These religious leaders that everyone had to live up to. It, and that is, it was a kind of yoke that was heavy upon their shoulders. And if you don't know what a yoke is, you know, there's different kinds of yokes. It's not an egg yoke. Um, the yoke that is put on animals to, to plow kind of the fields or to carry wagons, you know, that's one type of yoke. But here in our passage, I think Jesus is talking about the type of yoke that is given to servants and slaves. It was a type of beam that was kind of on their shoulders to help them carry heavy things. That was the kind of yoke that the Pharisees placed on the people of God, a heavy one with great burden, a standard that no one could really live up to. And I wonder what kind of yokes that we have in our lives. Societal standards, responsibilities, expectations, the expectation of being the certain type of parent, a perfect parent that is not too harsh and not too lenient, expectations that tell us that we need a certain type of body image and anything other than that is less than beautiful, a type of ex- expectation where we need to get into the right schools, the right, get the right jobs, make a certain amount of money, and all that. But when we don't meet that expectation, we find ourselves utterly crushed. Societal standards and these kinds of expectations that we create for ourselves or even someone else places upon our lives are truly heavy, are a great burden. And I think the heaviest burden of all, the burden that these faithful Jews really experienced at the time was the burden of guilt. God has instructed Israel to live a certain way, to be a type of people, but they are not able to live up to it. And the moral compass that each one of us have inside of us, being made in God's image, testifies that we are actually not the kinds of people that we ought to be. The restlessness that we so experience in our daily lives is is, is this kind of burden upon us. And, and I think in a real way, these burdens are the source of this restlessness. And we can only find rest in the promises of Jesus. He says, I will give you rest. And Jesus invites you to this kind of rest. But you might be sitting here, what kind of rest is it? Is it an extra day of vacation or a permission to take a nap? It is a kind of rest that removes guilt and shame because of what Jesus has done. Ever since the fall of man, when sin entered our world, it disrupted this rest. And and it set upon a type of restlessness, a sin in our world, upon our lives that even plague us today. And over and over again, God calls to his people to find rest in him, but they have continued to rebel. 
They've continued to reject God. And although there might be some seasons where they do find rest in him and they do obey, but they return to their ways of sin and restlessness. Ever since this fall, it seems as though our restless hearts has been on the search for this rest, satisfaction to the depths of our souls. It is this kind of rest we see Jesus accomplishing on our behalf, that he became restless. We see that in the garden of Gethsemane, he was restless, sweating blood, asking for the Father to take away the cup of wrath. We see him restless on the road to Calvary, carrying our burdens, carrying the cross. And of course, we see that he was truly restless as he hung on the tree, the cursed tree, crying out, it is finished, so that we might find rest for our souls. Jesus comes to give rest by bearing our burdens and our sins on the cross. His yoke is easy and his burden is light, ultimately because Jesus bore these things. It is a kind of rest that still has a yoke. To rest in Christ is not to have no yoke upon us, but it is to continue to learn his ways. He is not like a slave master domineering over us, ruling us with an iron fist, but he is gentle and lowly, as the passage says. He is merciful and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness. His yoke is easy and his burden is light. Brothers and sisters, would you hear the gentle words of Christ inviting you this morning to recognize your need of him, to see that there is an exclusive invitation given to you as he has an exclusive relationship with the Father, to find rest ultimately offered in the person and work of Jesus Christ as he bears our burdens. The heavy load of sin that is on our shoulders was placed on the cross. You know, in Toronto, getting swept up in the busyness and, and getting distracted is, is just so easy. In the midst of all the adulting we partake in, we often forget that there is actual true rest found in our Lord Jesus Christ. And to end our time, I'd like to read the beginnings of, of verses 1 and 3 of the hymn, What a Friend We Have in Jesus, a hymn that we've sung here at Christ Church before. It says this, What a friend we have in Jesus all our sins and griefs to bear. What a privilege to carry everything to God in prayer. Are we weak and heavy laden, cumbered with a load of care? Precious Savior, still our refuge. Take it to the Lord in prayer. Would you hear Christ inviting you this morning? Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I'll give you rest. Let's pray. Father, you know our hearts. You know how many responsibilities that are placed upon us. You know the, the sins that we have committed, the guilt that we carry, the expectations that we fail to live by. And Lord, we, we would go down that rabbit hole, the, the despair that we might experience. But today, God, we recognize that there is true rest found in you. Rest that satisfies our souls. Rest that recognizes that these things are not what we live for, but we live for the glory of your name. So, Lord, would, would you come now to encourage us, bring rest upon our weary hearts. Help us to know you more and more. Know of this kind of rest that we have in Jesus Christ. In Jesus' name we pray. 
Amen. Thank you for listening to the Christchurch Toronto podcast. For more information about our church, you can visit our website at christchurchtoronto.ca or email us at info at christchurchtoronto.ca.